Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're speaking to Bob and Mary Burton about No Place Left Ecuador. So one time we came down to Quito, Ecuador, and just prayed. We were just praying, God, what do you have for us? And a friend of ours said, I really want you to meet this couple. They've been, they're missionaries here and have lunch with them. And we were like, no, we really don't want to. We're on a prayer retreat. But because he was a good friend, we said, okay, we'll do it. Mm. But we had a wonderful lunch with them. And at the end of the lunch, they said, after hearing your hearts and, and what you guys want to do, you need to go home and you need to read a book called There's a Sheep in My Bathtub mm. by Brian. And so I ordered the book on Amazon and it was on my doorstep when we got home. And we devoured the book. And after that, it was like, it's clear. We want to do a church planning movement. We want to do make disciples who make disciples, who start churches, who plant more churches and that's exactly what we want to do. Discipleship had always been on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I actually contacted the Hogan's because we'd been with YWAM and they were with YWAM and said, would you coach us? We mm-hmm. love coaches. And so we started Skyping with them. And actually, Louise, the wife, did more of it with us. Brian was busy with some other things. And after just a little bit, she decided to go to a school. I think it was to be a midwife or something. And it just wasn't going to work out for her anymore. So we lost her as a coach and we, we thought, well, what are we going to do? And so after we read the book, uh, there's a sheep in my bathtub. We begin to gather together with um, other people at Woods Edge uh, community church in spring, Texas, that felt like the Lord was calling them to go long-term to Latin America. So we began to meet with them weekly and we read through, you know, Coleman's uh, um, master plan of evangelism and anything we could get our hands on. We watched videos together. uh, We prayed together, anything to do with discipleship and church planning. And then we went on a prayer retreat together. And on the prayer retreat, Bob told us to uh, pray in the mornings and then we'd get together and have some time of worship and everything. So this one morning we got together and he said, did anybody get anything from the Lord? And when I was in quiet time, I got Psalm 46, four. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And I thought, well, that's, that's really nice, God, you know, but it didn't really, I hadn't read in Psalms lately and, uh, I didn't know really know what it meant. And then Bob said, well, you share what you got. I had a picture of a, of a map. And in this upper right-hand corner, there was a square, like you get on a call-out on a map, a little square. But I couldn't really get a good, clear shot of what was on the map. And there was a, another lady on the trip with us, uh, on the prayer retreat with us. And she said, before I came, God said, bring the map of Ecuador and Peru. So she went and got the map, and she opened it up. And in the top right corner was the call out of Cuenca, Ecuador, with a picture of a river running through the city. So we changed our target from Quito, the capital, to Cuenca. Well, instantly the whole team was like, we're going to Cuenca. Nobody had been to Cuenca. Nobody knew anything about Cuenca. 
And later we heard um, from many people that it was the most religious city in Ecuador and very hard for missionaries. So we thought, hey, this is great. This is where we need to go. And um, so we came, we came down in April of 2009 with a team of nine people, including children, um, and um, began to do whatever. We began to take Spanish lessons and we began to do whatever we could in terms of putting into practice things that we'd learned. And um, then we actually hooked up with another coach that was part of a disciple-making movement and began to coach with him online with people in different parts of the states that were going to different countries or had been in different countries. And um, we were just hungry to learn whatever we could. At that time, there really wasn't that much on the Internet like now um, uh, about it. And so we just kept wanting to learn as much as we could. The other thing that um, was really important about our church, they sent us out as international staff. And we were very blessed by that. And also each, um, we have a, a, what we call a Barnabas team, which is a prayer team that supports us, that prays for us um, all the time. We Skype with them regularly. And so we have this prayer team that's always praying for us, plus the missions department in the, in the church, as well as the church in general. So we have, we're blessed with a tremendous amount of support um, Mm. from our church. There were two events that happened when we first got here that kind of caught our attention. First was we met a, a man that had been a missionary for 20 years, 22 years, I guess here. And he remarked that, when he came with the population of the town at the time, there were about 200,000 lost people in Cuenca. And after 22 years of missionary work, there was now over 500,000 lost people Mm -hmm. in Cuenca. And so immediately the brain says, this isn't working. The -hmm. traditional manner of of running church here is not going to work. And Lord, you, you got to get us to something that's going to somehow keep, keep pace with the, a population that's increasing rapidly in a situation where at being generous, maybe 5% of the population is seriously following Jesus as disciples. Mm. And the other was hearing from a fellow that was in charge with a particular denomination's missions organization that said he'd never been able to keep missionaries in Cuenca. They either left for health reasons or the team got at odds with each other and he had to pull them out. Mm. So that caused us to engage our prayer team and seek another solution. And it was about that time that we got an invitation to uh, attend a conference in Chicago, Illinois, that Ying Kai was giving. And Steve Smith, the T4T conference. And I think that that was the beginning of a turning point for us because the first thing we heard is, the filter at the very start is the gospel. Don't spend weeks. Don't draw things out. Just get the gospel out there. And and so we walked away with, with saying, hey, this is something we need to know more about. What is this T4T and how does it work? And you know, how can we get more involved? Before the meeting with Yinkai and Steve Smith, what, what did the work look like? We were doing... Um, uh, study wherever we could um we didn't speak spanish very well we were taking spanish and so we went to rehab centers because they couldn't leave 
the joke was the joke was well everybody came back this week of course they were all in the rehab center and couldn't leave so but yeah. we we had a model that had discovery bible studies but you went for several weeks before they came to the gospel well 26 weeks 26 yeah weeks. a lot of weeks before you got to the gospel so we were we were doing that and we were doing whatever we could trying to put into practice anything we'd learned but we weren't having very much success. Um, and um, then on top of it all, uh, we lost our team uh, to illnesses. Uh, we had uh, brain aneurysms and uh, another member developed um, a, lung, a lung disease called sarcoidosis. sarcoidosis. Anyway, we lost our whole team. And it was just uh, Bob and, and myself. And so that was kind of a, a dark time in the sense that uh, it was just the two of us, but uh, God kept encouraging us to persevere. And he kept giving me the scripture, don't be weary and well-doing for in due time, you will reap a harvest. Mm. And we knew um, we wanted people to be coaching us and helping us. I think we were always looking for mentors. And so after the Chicago conference, I, Oh, I think after the Chicago conference, they had another one not long after that in the woodlands. Mm -hmm. But wasn't it after the, I can't remember the the timing. I'm sorry. But um, what happened was there was another T4T conference. I think um, that we um, went to again and it was Steve Smith and Yinkai. And, um, but I wrote an email to Yinkai and I said, introduced myself. I I told him what we were doing here. And I said, would you ever consider coming to Ecuador and doing a conference for us? Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, they wrote back and said, we'd love to. And at that time we had, um, we had shared the vision with as many pastors and people we could in Cuenca and pretty much gotten excommunicated from the pastors fraternity here because our beliefs were too radical about um, the priesthood of the believer and people baptizing and giving, you know, communion. So we thought, who's going to come to this conference? No, nobody wants to come. I still remember Mary saying, I wrote Yin Kai and he's coming for a conference. And I'm thinking, great. The two of us will really enjoy that. <laughs> behold, um, right before that, we got connected with some Christians and, they wanted to help us, and we ended up having 300 people. I don't, it was God, totally God. We had about 30 people from the north of Ecuador that came down. Uh, it was about 10 hours away. And uh, the rest of them, you know, from around nearby from Cuenca. And when the conference was over, um, well, actually, during the conference, we, we met one, one afternoon with the pastors in Yinkai. And... One pastor from Cuenca said, um, Ying, if you could tell me one thing, just tell me one thing that I should do, what would it be? And Ying Kai said, just do it. Mm-hmm. And so he left the conference and began to put into practice everything he had learned. Um, and then you want to tell him about the pastor in Quito? Yeah, and in that in that first year, just to say that after he put it into practice, that church led over 200 people to Christ. Really? 
no one else in the conference but out wanted of the to do other anything. That was 299 people who did nothing <laughs> and one pastor who chose to put it into practice what the little bit that he had heard at the conference and, and had that kind of response. Not long after that, I received a call from a pastor or an email from a pastor in Quito that said, hey, I wanted to come to the conference, but I was sick and I couldn't come. Do you think you would consider coming to our church and doing a conference? And I said, yeah, let me think about it. Yes. Because <laughs> we were looking for opportunity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right after we trained at the church, he was promoted to evangelism director for his entire denomination and opened the door for training in 80 of their churches. And from then on, thing has been word of mouth. It has just been God making connections through relations. Uh, we've never had to seek another spot to train. It's, it's just been utterly amazing watching God, uh, seeing how his heart is allowing connections to happen. And not only here in Ecuador, but we've also Peru, Argentina, and just came back from Paraguay, and it's all been word-of-mouth connections. The last two and a half years, we've never asked, would you like training in your church? It's been people contacting us and saying, we've heard about your training. Please, would you come to our church? Mm-hmm. And uh, so after that, so though, it, was, it was a blessing and a yeah. challenge because some of these places are eight to ten hours away from us by car. And so we do, we've ended up doing a lot of Skype and Zoom coaching with these pastors after that because they're not right here in close proximity to us. Yeah. So that's been a, a blessing too. But after after Yin Kai, I when we were at the second conference, the T4T conference in Houston at the Woods Edge Community Church, there was a break and um, a pastor and his wife that I know was sitting at, were sitting at a table with um, Jeff Sundell. And so I went over to say hi to them because we hadn't seen them in years. And I just sat to the side while Jeff Sundell was talking to them. And he pulled out this piece of paper and began to draw the four fields on this piece of paper. And we weren't really that familiar with it. And he began to talk to them about how it was not only a vision and not only a strategy, but it was a diagnostic tool. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there listening to that and after then, then I think the conference started, so I didn't have a chance to say anything. And I went to Bob and I said, Bob, we've got to talk to this guy. He's he really knows stuff we don't know, and we've got to find out about this stuff. So we came back to Ecuador and I sent an email to Jeff and I said, Jeff, would you ever consider coming to Ecuador? Okay, and he said, Yes, and so Bob again was flabbergasted, and um, he and Jeff ended up coming. And we ended having, I think, about 40 pastors and then some E3 leaders from, from Peru that attended also. And he did a four-day. And that really is what started us on a, on a path to see some, some traction and some success. And, um, and he, connected us with, yeah. he connected us with Chuck Wood. And Chuck, is, Chuck and Deb Wood have been... One of the greatest blessings God has put in our lives. So just just reflecting back then, there was a period of time since getting to Ecuador, you'd say this was the battle. (laughs) (laughs) Losing losing the team, um, you know, not, not seeing a lot of progress in the field. Right. 
and then the connect with Yang, and and somehow that visit catapulted you into a, a new level where immediately, and it was only one key guy, but immediately you saw what God could do when he gets a hold of uh, the Ecuadorians and uh, right. a couple hundred people came to Christ. Right. Um, it was, as Chuck Wood would say, we got parachuted in. You got parachuted in. Well, and, we something began to happen for us that is not that common when you look at the graphs and things like Steve Smith has that in this first part, here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be doing all this seed sowing and that's where you're going to be spending your time and then you're going to find, you know, your your Timothys and, and different things and then, you know, your time investment is going to be changing and we kind of got parachuted into a place where Jeff Sundell says there's no such thing, but um, we call them pastors of peace mm-hmm. where we had, we trained in hundreds, hundreds mm. of churches throughout Ecuador, hundreds. Mm. And um, we were fortunate to find some pastors of peace. And what we mean by that is that they were pastors that were very kingdom minded mm. and they, they knew that. and God had prepared them. It's like when we talked to them, they'd say, this is what I've been praying for. Yeah. And I've been reading in the book of Acts and um, they knew that what they were doing wasn't working. And I think they were so used to all these campaigns and programs coming from the United States and new books and mm. new conferences that many times they were a little bit skeptical at first. But when they saw that we were clearly promoting the Bible and biblical principles mm. and let's Jesus together and we're here to make you successful we're not here to start a ministry we're here to help you be successful and God just linked us up with some pastors that had the same heart Mm. um, in God's kingdom and they didn't care if people didn't come to their church Uh, they just wanted to see the kingdom extended and Ecuador reached and so we call them pastors of peace, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, we laugh about it. Jeff said, there's no such thing as a pastor of peace. <laughs> you know? Well, but, there may not be a verse in the Bible, but yeah. you, you've met pastors who are God-prepared people to yeah. open doors. And so while you're going through some tough and, and slow times, God at the same time has been at work preparing these pastors of peace and at the right time you connect. And what seems like a rapid explosion has actually, God has been laying foundations in in your life and preparing those leaders to open doors. So it's not, it's not like it's being built on shaky foundations, but it move at the right time it moves rapidly. And and through Ying and then the four fields, you've got some key uh, paradigms and 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 strategies and tools to put in their hand, and they're prepared. Yeah. And then connecting with no place left. I think as we connected with the no place left people, and we connected with Jeff and got exposed to Chuck Wood and and, and Deb and Ray and Sarah Vaughn and. 
different people have all come down and poured into Ecuador. Um, we realized that the way that God uses people to, to come in, not only to light fires, but to come in and say things like, hey, don't be discouraged when one half of your network disappears because that happens. And don't, don't be discouraged when you're slugging it out and don't seem to be having a response. That happens. It's all part of it. Some of the networks, they share, hey, I started over five times. And those are things that mean a lot when you're going through that slow, sluggish time. We, we, we wouldn't be anywhere without our coaches. Um, yeah. but what they invest in us and what they've taught us, I mean, we are so grateful. Mm -hmm. um, we would just be lost. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just meant the world to us. And the, and the, the wisdom, the, the times that we sat at a you know, table in a coffee shop with Steve and Laura, and they looked at our, our gen map and were able to say, this is what you need to do next. This is what's important here. Or I remember the first time when this was way at the beginning when we were training like crazy everywhere and Jeff and Chuck were both Skyping with us at the same time and said, well, who are your Timothys? And mm -hmm. they were like, well, we don't have a Timothy. We have Juan's and Mateo's and, and, <laughs> and, well, <laughs> and well, like, we don't have any Timothys. And uh, they began to, you know, share with us the principle of, you know, how we needed to be developing our Timothys and, um, and now we're at a place, I mean, share with what's happening with. We, uh, it, it's so exciting if we go to an area to do a training now. It's not our, just our Timothy's training, it's their Timothy's mm -hmm. training. We'll go somewhere and I get to watch the second generation Timothy's do the whole training. And for me, that I saw when they gave us that piece of wisdom and we began to focus in there, that whole change it made in the network. That was a that was a big turning point for us, and so our Timothys have Timothys, and now their Timothys are figuring out who their Timothys are. And it's um, next week I'll be training in in Waranda, Ecuador, but I won't be training. It'll be the Timothys of my Timothys doing the training, and so that to me uh, is probably the most exciting thing because I watch and see uh, how much faster when the outsider gives it to the insider, how much faster things happen. Mm -hmm. You mean when the insider really grabs it? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, and we have um, Bob's, Bob's coaching, uh, we would say probably there's about nine key Timothys in, in country that he coaches um, mostly through Skype because unfortunately most of them aren't in Cuenca. They're all over the country, mm -hmm. but Whenever we can, they swarm with us. We just got back from Paraguay, and one of them went with us, and we went to um, Peru, and another one went with us. And, and then the interesting thing is we've connected with um, a pastor in where he's going in Waranda. He's actually a missionary from Spain. He's Spanish. Mm. His wife is Romanian, and they've just caught the vision and are just running with it. He's already been to Colombia and trained in Colombia and then he's gone back to Spain and trained there but they they live in Ecuador and then another pastor I mean another missionary is German and he's in the southern part of the country and why don't you talk about Christian yeah the yeah, Christian was amazing it's one of those you dream about because he contacted us and as soon as he started hearing what was going on and beginning to understand the process, he was like a sponge. 
He's in the he's in the area of Cuenca that is in no. the area of Ecuador that's one of the least rich areas. That's probably 0.01 percent. Mm. And all of a sudden, he put the principles into into uh, action, and he's starting to see churches and new believers and baptisms. It's causing pastors to call from all over in that area to ask him to come and do trainings. Um, he's seeing things that are, are, are catching the attention of his organization. He's in a large organization. And it's just, to me, uh, it's just how God keeps bringing people into your life. And he's, he's already got two Timothys down there he's working with that are both Ecuadorians. And they're starting to train in different areas with him. And I think, you know, that was a that was a life changer for us when they started talking about Timothy's. Pastor mm. um, Giovanni, his his adopted son came to one of our trainings, and he told us about it. Giovanni's in a in an area very close to the largest city of Ecuador, and he lives in a in a city that's divided by a canal. And on one side is a is a and it's a it's a normal Ecuadorian uh, city. On the other side is what they call the invasions, or the politically correct name is the cooperativas, where people have come in and built whatever materials they could find a house on land that wasn't really theirs. And there's thirty five thousand people living like that in that area. And Giovanni had a compassion program where he had two hundred and sixty children coming for food in in study at, at the church, but his heart was to, to reach the parents of these kids. And when he got a hold of this and he saw the simplicity and he saw that it was Bible-based and that it was simple and, and it was reproducible and was reproducing, he trained 16 people at his church to go back out to, to the parents of these kids. And in nine months, they had 159 salvations and started over 30 home churches. Mm-hmm. And it's still just growing throughout that, that area. Mm. Uh, he's, he's been to Chile and, and trained. He's been to Paraguay. Mexico. Mexico, and the United States. Mm. And, but he's been, his, his success rate in reaching the parents caught the eye of compassion and actually coming down to meet with him and said, what are you doing? That's, that was always the vision. How are you doing that? What's, what's making that happen? And I think um, right now um, he's he's focusing on healthy church. When Chuck Wood was here last time, he talked about critical mass. Mm-hmm. That was something we hadn't thought about, but he said, hey, in the United States, we're having a problem. The churches don't have enough people. That they're not reaching a critical mass that's necessary to see a healthy reproducing church. So Giovanni went back home and looked at his network and saw a lot of four and fives. Uh-huh. And, and part of it is because the people, by the nature of where they're living and where they've come from, are very suspicious of their neighbor. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in the house, and the houses are not are very small. Mm. But they prayed, and God showed them a way to reach reaching the men and trying to bring them together. They tried football, soccer games, and all kinds of things, and it wasn't working. They prayed, and God said, "Get the women." So they started a class at their church on how to make little jewelry and things. The women began to connect and talk and start celebrating birthdays. And then he said, hey, how about if we, these studies you're having here, what if we did it in your neighborhood and you could bring your family? And they all thought it was a great idea. 
his average church size right now is is 20 people. And he has, he has one where the guy started with four people within five weeks. He's got 40 people there and they're all having to stand up because he doesn't even have room to sit down. Mm. But it's, it's a testimony to, to God's creative ability and the tools that, that you adopt the tool to the culture instead of the culture to the tool. And what they found was by using, instead of moving from salvation directly to the commands, they're using the stories of hope in between. And that allows time for the people to bring in their friends and they get comfortable and everybody gets comfortable and then they shift to the commands and it's... Well, they present the gospel They present again. the gospel again to get the whole oikos and it's just amazing watching what's happening down there. Wow. And so that, that was a case where he was able to consolidate a lot of little churches into some really healthy, good-sized um, oikos groups and, and they only lost 5% in the process, which was amazing. Mm. So those were two big coach-led turning points for us, the Timothys and the, and the critical mass. So if we look back, you know, there was a time, of, a number of years of testing, slow progress. There were breakthroughs in understanding, but all with the T for T stuff, with Ying, but also with Ying coming. Uh, the four fields was another breakthrough. Uh, this the whole time as you're implementing, you're getting good coaching in uh, to problem solve, but also encouragement. Uh, a key thing God's done is there are pastors of peace, how whatever we call them, <laughs> functionally they're there. You know, I'm sure Jeff would agree. Uh, and the real fruit is, is coming now. It's on multiple flat fronts, multiple nations around Latin America. And the insiders are doing it. Uh, they're the key things that, uh, that I'm picking up. What's been the fruit? So have you got some sense of, you know, as a result of this, what's been the impact in terms of, people coming to faith and churches start? We've seen um, in the different networks, there are about 80 um, church plants so far. Mm -hmm. We're at the beginning. We're not, we're not the thousands of church planted. We're just seeing the beginning of movement. We've gotten fourth generation through Giovanni's network. We've got a couple of other networks at third generation. Um, we're seeing it from the coastal region to the jungle region to the mountain mm. region. Um, and we've discovered that the process works in every area. Sometimes you just have to adapt to some cultural issues. But I think the biggest fruit is that um, it's picking up pace. Yeah. It's, you can feel it's, it's yeah. like you tipping point and it's starting to roll forward. And so um, I just yesterday got a call from Christian, three more house churches. Antonio's got four more house churches, just had baptisms. We, this is starting to happen weekly, new house churches, new baptisms. Um, and so, we're, we, you know, our goal is to see 4G and as many networks as possible, fourth generation, not just disciples. I think that was the, also the critical thing for us. We, we had fourth generation disciples. 
Mm. But we were, we were, we want to see fourth generation healthy church. Yeah. Not just two or three people, but actually a, a solid healthy church that's got got the critical mass to to begin to multiply and create other healthy churches. And what are you learning about your role as catalyst there in Ecuador? I'm learning to work through uh, instead of work. Mm-hmm. That would be a big one in that I see that there's more fruit if I can make one of my Timothys successful. And I can see him train level one, level two trainings. I can see him do a mid-level training. I can see people in his region looking to him instead of looking to me. I think um, every time that's happened, the pace is picking up. I think that's been a, a, a learning for me. Um, depending on God for contact, the, knowing that it's not us, that it's God working his will and what he wants to see here and that we're just part of that. I think the, the same. I think um, so much of it is the key is our relationships, you know, our relationships with our Timothys. Um, I think, you know, through the last two and a half years, we've formed some strong bonds. And that's been a little difficult because some of them are eight to 10 hours away. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's not like they're all in the city with us. But um, we've been able to go and visit and stay with them, or they've been able to come here. And then the weekly Skypes that, uh, or Zooms that Bob does with them. And then also, if they're able to come to whatever trainings we have and swarm with us that time. And then um, every year we have, um, you know, some kind of a four-day or a mid-level. Now, this last one we had was really electric. We had... Um, most of all of our key got key, you know, Timothy's and, and some new people. But then we had like 12 people from Mexico that came from a church out of Texas. And we're hearing they're, they're related coaching wise to the people in Texas, but we have relationship with them and we're hearing good things that things are, are happening where they went, they went back, they received a lot at that, um, that uh, mid level. And um, then one one of them is working. You want to talk about Nixon? Yeah, this guy's amazing. He's working on the on a jungle on a river that hits the border of, of Brazil, Peru, and Colombia. And he's reaching out to all the jungle villages in that in those three countries. And we just set up a four day intensive up there for him that came out of that training. And we're hoping to see that launch. Uh, through the jungle area and begin to move south towards us. And we're working on the south side of Ecuador with the Shuara Indians and hoping to see that go north. Um, Mary said a key word, I guess. I've, 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 in my life, I've been a task-oriented person. Mm-hmm. So I probably approached it with, hey, here's the process, work the process, are you working the process? And the, the relation that the key of relation is really a, has been a game changer. And and I learned that from from Jeff and Chuck and, and Ray and others. And as they related to us, I realized, mm. hey, that's really important to me. I need to be doing I need to get into to live life with these guys. It's not just mm. about 
this thing. We need to live life as we as we go about doing it, seeing the will of God. Mm. And what's what's God put on your heart for Ecuador and that region of the world? I think I think we're both convinced that a big wave of missionaries for the future going into the Middle East and other areas is going to come out of Latin America. And they have the ability to move in and out of those areas and look much like the people there. Um, we see Augie and others training through Latin America. We see the people are open and they're getting saved. Um, one of my dreams is to see a gathering of the people working in Latin America to come up with some some common strategies and goals. If you're working here and I'm working here, let's figure out how we can get in the middle somewhere and how we can start seeing a faster spread. Um, in Ecuador, our, our target is to reach the 17 cities of more than 100,000 population. There's only three really big cities in Ecuador, the capital of Guayaquil and Cuenca. But there's seven, 17 cities of more than 100,000. And if you can get those cities they have relatives that live out in the Campo area outside of the cities that they'll go visit on the weekend. So if we can start movements in those 17 cities, we can see people spread out from there. But I've also seen that God pulls someone outside the country and it starts jumping outside of Ecuador to Colombia, to Chile, to mm. Uruguay, Argentina, to Paraguay. And I think if we if we see those sparks starting to light up, that we could really see that from that Visit movements.net for links to Bob and Mary Burton's resources in Spanish and for a link to the book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub. <laughs>